This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And Jason, Mike, we got a lot to talk about. We've got a ton to talk about because it was a big sporting weekend. Uh, I'm going to sell you out, Lynchy. Before we came mm-hmm. on board, I asked you how your weekend was, and you said horizontal because there was so much <laughs> sports to watch. I mean, the NFL alone, let's start there. I mean, the business of broadcast had to benefit this weekend, a super wild card weekend, six games, three each day, and they didn't disappoint in many ways, some upsets. And so if I'm a network executive, I'm feeling pretty good about this, Lynchy. I think it was a great idea by the NFL. I said, oh, they're going to water things down if they add two more playoff teams. I thought it was ingenious. And they come up, they've already branded it with Super Playoff Weekend. And it, it had me hooked. Uh, it's, I, I was interested in all the games. And, you know, 1 o'clock Saturday afternoon, pillow behind the head, feet up on the couch, and didn't move till almost midnight. Both days. <laughs> and, the, and the only time I moved was to go upstairs to bed and be horizontal again. Yeah. A lot of chores got done in the Lynch household this weekend. 0.00. Good, Good thing there wasn't a snowfall. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, Barr, on, on a weekend like this, I mean, does it make you think about sort of the season in a different way uh, as a fan? I mean, it, it feels like, you know, we talked a lot on this show about the NFL was sort of limping along, but there wasn't a lot of limping along this weekend. And, and you wonder if, you know, they get some momentum and some excitement, which they need people to watch what's going to be a very unusual Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And to tell you that usually during the season, you, you're rooting for your local team right. or team. You've got the affiliation that you enjoy. This is this is my team. And, of course, since the Detroit Lions weren't there, so now I had to deal with – what was out there. Now, the Bills played, and my father-in-law is a huge Bills fan. And, of course, he always said that's the only true New York team. So, right. my, you know this was a big NFL weekend because my wife, now she's a football fan, 49ers, but Mrs. Linda was there for all three games as well. So, see, that's what you need to do, Lynchy. You need to get yeah. your wife to watch the games as well. And that way, you don't have to worry about the chores or anything. <laughs> I will I, I will say, Lynchy, just we got to give Barr a little bit of a hard time. He said, you know, the Lions weren't in the playoffs yeah. like they usually are. Oh, see, you yeah, know, like I know. <laughs> oh, it, it was an unusual year. I had to pick another team to root for because the Lions, lo and behold, yeah. didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna. We don't have to dwell on it. I just wanted to, you know, like poke you a little bit. It's Monday morning. I didn't morning. want to do. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, I hear they don't even have a coach or a GM at this point. Although you're in a similar we're situation. In the same boat. <laughs> um, so to to get it back to Boston in a way, uh, yep. Lynchy, you know, your former star franchise quarterback, uh, Mr. Brady, 
he continued on. I had a little bit of a scare there with the Washington football team. But if you're a network executive, you got to be happy about Brady versus Breeze. I mean, this could be this could be the last time we see these two face off if the rumors are to be believed that Drew Breeze will retire after this season. Well, it's a network uh, executive's dream. It's the late game on Sunday afternoon. You get two marquee players. Uh, and, you know, b- basketball used to be like this. They used to uh, uh, promote individual players like Michael Jordan, et cetera. And the NFL is all about teams. But this is a little bit like Manning and, and Brady. We had yeah. that a lot in the AFC for a long, long time. Now that Brady has moved into the NFC, this will be the third time that these two teams have played this year. Remember, they're in the same division. Right. And both times, uh, Tom struggled with that Saints defense. So, and I thought he's after throwing two touchdown passes the other night against Washington. I think he struggled a little bit with the Washington defense. So, I I think you know I know New Orleans is favored going into this game, and I think Tom's got his work cut out for them. He his team is better than they were because they played the Saints early in the season. Yeah, they played them in the season opener, and then about a, about a month later. But this is this is absolutely perfect. Uh, you know, Brady and Breeze. Um, I'm going to be horizontal again. So yeah. Uh, it won't be hard to find me. <laughs> I mean, I will say, you know, Bar. one of the things that struck me, and I was sort of debating with, with myself and my teenagers as we were watching is, you know, you do wonder what some of these games would be like if they had a robust fan presence. You know, you got a couple thousand fans here and there at, at most of the stadiums uh, at this point, but, you know that may be a little bit of an advantage for a Tom Brady going into New Orleans. You have to think that it may have played in with the uh, pretty shocking uh, Steelers loss last night, too, to the Browns, Mm. that if you've got terrible towels going, especially late in the third quarter there, maybe you see more of a comeback. Uh, The lack of fans, I think, is still – I'm still having a hard time, like, getting my head around it and watching. Well, in the Buffalo game, you only had about, what, 6,500 yeah. fans in the stands. Yeah. And then you had – they would sweeten the, the crowd noise. In the Washington game, there was nobody in the crowd. But you still had the piped-in crowd noise. And, and and my wife said this. There was a point when, you know, the ref would make a call against the, the Washington football team, and then you'd hear the <laughs> boo, boo. Right, right. And my wife thought, well, that's kind of rude. Yeah, it's, you know, it was kind of, you know, out of line because, you know, it's against the, the visiting team. And and I was thinking, yeah, but I kind of like it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you need a little bit of it. I mean, because it, it almost feels like, and, and I, listen, we've all gotten used to life being different here in this pandemic. But, you know, it is weird when you see a controversial play and you're just conditioned as a viewer to expect some sort of reaction one way or another. And when there's not that reaction, uh, it, it feels a little bit weird. Let's stay on football for, for just a minute before we move on to another sport. You know, yeah. the big money in college sports, Lynchy, we know it's there. It comes to a head for the college football season tonight. Uh, Alabama versus Ohio State. These are two of the most winning franchises in the history of college football. Uh, Saban looking for yet another title. On the other side, you have Justin Fields, you know, who improved his draft prospects pretty dramatically, but he is hurt to some extent. We don't know the extent. I do think a lot of people are going to be tuning in, though. Yeah, I think that the uh, there's a great deal of interest because you have two known quantities, as you, as you mentioned. Um, I think the college football playoff system is uh, pretty solid uh, financially. Um, 
doing a little bit of research, ticket revenue only accounts for about 5 to 10% of the $479 million they generated last year, which kind of surprised me. The rest um, is broadcast, but, right? Yeah, and, well, it's in, in, in big sponsorships and like big AT&T, sponsorships, right. Capital One, Dr. Pepper. You know, they, they, you know, you can't escape them when you, when you watch any of them. But uh, this is going to be fun. Eight o'clock kickoff, which isn't too bad. The game probably be over about 11.35. And, you know, a lot of people don't like Alabama. So by default, they might be rooting for Ohio State. Who knows? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, bar one of the, the aspects of this it, for from a business and money perspective is, you know, for Justin Fields, it is a very tough position to be in because obviously he's a competitor. He also wants to improve his position in the draft. He's going to go high by all accounts, by all the mock drafts that, that I've been seeing. So that will be a, a good contract for him. At the same time, He's putting a lot on the line if he is, in fact, playing hurt. You know, he he suffered that massive hit. He finished the game, the semifinal game, but he clearly was not uh, not 100%. And we don't really know. The, the rules are unlike they are in professional sports. So we don't know how he's going to be tonight in terms of his, uh, his health and well-being. Well, that's the pressure because you – want to be now on the field right. because of that exposure. You want all of the 32 teams to see you. It's like, this is what I can do. Now, you know, again, all the scouts know, yeah, the young man is hurt. But at the same time, if he steps out there on the field, they're saying, well, hey, that young man is tough and, and he's out there. Now, again, we don't know to the extent of the injury of what it is. But at the same time, too, it that's the pressure these college athletes have. And by the right. way, you were wondering about, you know, many people hate Alabama and are going to root for Ohio State. Remember, uh, I, I'm a Michigan guy. Yeah. <clears throat> so you will not be rooting so for I, Ohio I, State. I love Columbus. <laughs> I love you. But uh, roll tide, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, Bar, do you, re, do you refer to um, uh, the Ohio State University as that school down south? <laughs> you know, some people have. That's true. We 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 have said that. And it's again, listen, uh, uh, the Buckeyes. They they're an excellent football team. But I remember those Woody Hayes moments. Oh and, yeah. And, and, and I can't get that out of my head against Shim Beckler. And I remember one time when Woody went. I'm watching the game when he just went ballistic on a football player. Uh, and I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? And it's that, that stuff can't get out of my head. He punched Charlie Bauman of Clemson. Remember that? Yeah. He intercepted yeah. a pass. I went as a, as a when I first got out of college. I took a road trip with a buddy to the Ann Arbor to the Michigan Ohio State game, and I was in awe. They were selling toilet paper with the image of Woody Hayes on every sheet, <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> and, and then they had bumper stickers that said "Save fuel, burn Woody." <laughs> <laughs> It is what I mean. It, it is seen as one of the great rivalries uh, of all time. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Ohio State is able to pull it out, and maybe even if they're not. You know, I don't know if you guys read the really very incisive, I think, uh, New York Times Magazine piece about Big Ten football. I mean, Ohio State was the driving force of getting Big Ten football, according That's to right. this report, uh, oh, back yeah. on the field. And and you understand why. There's a lot of money at stake. There are a lot of careers, really, at stake. And the fact of the matter is, just going back to Justin Fields for a second, I don't think he is where he is in the draft if you don't have that performance against Clemson 
if he's not on the field, if Big Ten football yeah. doesn't happen. So, you know, a lot of the economics play into this in, in a pretty big way. So uh, I'm not sure we thought, uh, certainly back in July and August, that we would see a college football title game. But we will see one. Uh, we will see one tonight, as Lynchy said, kickoff at 8 p.m. What we didn't see uh, last night was the Sunday night NBA game. The Heat mm. and your Lynchy, uh, Boston Celtics, uh, postponed. And uh, I think we're going to see more of this in the NBA. Well, uh, this went right down to the wire. The game wasn't yeah. postponed until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I was unaware of the problems with the Miami Heat. I knew the Celtics were yeah. only going to be able to address the minimum of eight players uh, because of COVID. Uh, Jason Tatum testing positive, Robert Williams testing positive, and then the other ones uh, contract contact tracing. And then all of a sudden, here comes Miami. They can't field uh, the eight people, so they got to postpone the game. Now, remember, um, you know, we had this uh, great discussion uh, with the deputy commissioner of the of the NBA, and he said that they had uh, learned a lot from the NFL and more specifically Major League Baseball, building in a little flexibility in the schedule so they can make up games like this rather than force a team to forfeit if they don't have the certain number. But, you know, remember the NBA played in a bubble when they resumed last year. They went 91 days without one positive case, and now they're back like baseball was when it started, yeah. like football was when it started, and they're going to have to, to deal with this. This is the first of many of these stories we're going to be reporting over the next couple of months. Yeah, it's interesting to Bar because you think about the the lessons learned, which is very fair. And and, and as you said, Lynchy, Mark Tatum did talk about uh, that to us, the COO yep. and the deputy commissioner, about that and the flexibility built in. The problem is a is one of large numbers when it comes to the pandemic itself. Neither of those other leagues were playing baseball, certainly, and and even football early in the fall against a backdrop of the record number of cases. And so the, the numbers just become really difficult. And not to mention the fact, not to get too wonky about it, but you're also talking about many, many fewer players. You know, so if if you're if you're talking about the margin for error, it is really, really small when it comes to, to the NBA. So uh, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen uh, with this season. I, I confess I'm a little worried. Well, I brought this up. We talked about this uh, several months ago. The bubble itself, yes. When you see it in sports and the success the NBA had the previous season with the bubble, you're thinking, yeah, I want to see the bubble because I want to see sports and this and that, whatever. But you got to remember, these are human beings. Yeah. And they're away from their families. Uh, You know, it's – and I say that to anybody. You try being away from your family for several months and, and let's see how you like it. Uh, you know, away from your kids, uh, away from your spouse, that's a tough thing to do. It's it's a tough mental thing. Uh, So that's why I'm kind of torn about it. But right now, now that they're not in the bubble, we can see what's happening, and there are many more cases. Absolutely. All right, well, before we go, we got to touch on politics just briefly because obviously that was the overwhelming story over the past week. And, you know, we always wonder how sports is going to enter into it. Last year, of course, we saw uh, politics really invade sports and vice versa in, in many ways. We talked last week about the Georgia election and the role that athletes played. Well, 
the first league, as it were, uh, the first sport to really come out in response to the storming of Capitol Hill last week is the PGA, Lynchy, uh, mm-hmm. saying that the 2022 PGA Championship will not be played at the Trump course, I believe, in New Jersey is where it was scheduled for. Uh, this feels notable to me. It does. It was in, uh, slated for uh, uh, 2022 in Bedminster, New Jersey, at Trump National. This is a little bit, to me, like what the NBA sort of, they started nudging Donald Sterling mm-hmm. before they eventually forced him to, to, to sell. And this is, uh, this is a statement right here uh, to Donald Trump. Uh, we don't want to have anything to do with you. You're radioactive. Anything you touch and own is radioactive to us, and we're getting away from it. Now, naturally, the Trump camp responded like you broke a contract, and it's not fair, and it's uh, not right. And, and, you know, he'll probably try to take the PGA to court, but uh, forget about it. The PGA did absolutely, positively the right thing. Yeah, it's hard to argue with this, and you do wonder about you know this brand uh, going forward and in, in a post presidency, which has been you know strongly affiliated, especially with golf. I mean, the president himself, obviously, a very active golfer. We know that from his schedule, um, and we also know that about a third, I believe, of the global revenue that comes to the Trump organization, comes through its golf holdings. There was a controversy involving another sports figure, Woody Johnson, uh, who was the owner of the New York Jets and uh, became the U.S. ambassador to the U.K. Uh, There were reports months ago that the president had pressured him to try and get uh, a tournament played uh, at Turnberry, I believe, at a Trump Turnberry uh, golf course. So um, this is important, we know, to the soon-to-be ex-president, and uh, it'll be interesting to see from a money perspective. It it may be the opposite of what he had hoped would happen, which is uh, in terms of burnishing the reputation of his properties. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Barr Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. And I'm Jason Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. We've got a big week uh, coming up. We're going to check in with John Burns. He's the CEO of TB12. That TB is familiar to Lynchy and the rest of us. Stands for Tom Brady. He has worked with him for a long time. We're going to talk about the business of fitness and much more. We're also going to catch up, speaking of the business of, with Rich Kleiman. He's the head of 35 Ventures. That, of course, is Kevin Durant's investment company they have been increasingly active and with kd now in new york playing for brooklyn their ambitions are only growing you're listening to bloomberg business of sports on bloomberg radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts